what's going on? Welcome back to Invader Sports Soccer Show. We are going to be covering the upcoming week 12 of the English Premier League, uh, as well as some things we missed. Sorry, we uh, had a couple of scheduling difficulties here between Pennsylvania and just, what, what are you guys, near London? Oh, for sure. way to say it. Near London. Oh, Hartfordshire. Hartfordshire. Hartfordshire, okay. yeah. Hartfordshire. All right, cool. It was nice when I was there, Adam, when I, when I left Liverpool and I took the train. It was so cool seeing like all these places that I knew from the Premier League. And yeah. I was like, I was passing Watford and I was like, oh shit, like I know Watford. And it was just, it was neat to see where everything was. Cause you know, that's one thing I don't still have a hundred percent down, like where everything is. Like I know where all the team, what all the teams are, but still every now and then I'm like, where the fuck is this place at? Like Newcastle. Like I didn't know where Newcastle was. You know what I mean? New- it's just kind yeah. of funny. Where, like, where is you- Newcastle? Isn't it in you the remember? north? It's in the north. It's like the northest, like near Scotland, north of England. Right. Yeah. So I, and I just remember looking that all up and I'm like, do they even like, do you even care when it comes to the NFL where things are? Or am I just weird to think about that? I think maybe it's, it's probably, I'd say easier in NFL because like the big state, you think of them as big states. Yeah. Like for it, because there's like how many NFL teams are there? 32 32 like in terms of football there's like hundreds of football like you've got hundreds of football teams although you've Mm -hmm. got the you know eight nine twenty in the in the premier league in all of like the english tiers of football there's ones that you just like there are there you have like obviously for example you take liverpool and then within liverpool another premier league team is is everton but then you've got Mm -hmm. near there's oldham and then you have all you have probably like within there like another twenty teams that play within somewhere within the English tier. Yeah, it's it's really crazy to keep up on, and and the fact that England's much smaller than USA, and they pack mm-hmm. all those teams in there. It's it's really kind of impressive well, if you think the, about the, it. The thing that I think throws I don't know about you, Adam, but throws me off is the way because in NFL teams can change states, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's happened. So, I mean, it just recently happened with uh, Vegas. Yeah, you know, Oakland Raiders, and you know, my I, I know they moved before, but my whole life growing up, Oakland Raiders was so iconic. I guess they were like the bad boys for a while when I was growing up, and then you know they won the Super Bowl that or they lost the Super Bowl to John Gruden when he got traded from them. I don't know if you guys know about this, but like in the no. '90s or early 2000s, he John Gruden was traded from the Oakland Raiders to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then that next year, the Buccaneers beat the Raiders in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and John Gruden was the coach. So just imagine that. Like, you trade yeah. your coach, and then he beats you in the Super Bowl. Like, the odds of that happening are probably slim to none. And, yeah, that happened. And now he got fired. He got canceled for all those stupid emails he was putting out there. And now he's suing the NFL. Let me get your guys' thoughts on that, actually. I mean, we this is a sports channel. So... Uh, do you even know who John Gruden is? No. No. He's probably like the American Antonio Conte. Like he's really I, famous. Everybody knows who he is. And he's got a specific coaching style that you watch it and you're like, oh, it's him. So that's the best comparison I can make. But he coached from like the late 90s to I'll say 2009 or 10. 
or 2008 to the 10 area. And then he went on Monday Night Football, which is, you know, back in the day it was bigger, but it's supposed to be like the primetime game of the week. That's that's what Monday Night Football is supposed to be. It's not the same anymore, but it was when I was younger. Oh, man, like Monday Night Football was like if the Eagles were on Monday Night Football, it was a whole event. My whole family was all excited, but it's definitely not the same anymore. Uh, I think partly that's because of what they do on Thursdays now and the the games are all stretched out more anyway. So uh, a weekday game isn't that big of a deal. But when I was younger, it definitely was. So he was the the voice of Monday Night Football for the better part of a decade. All right. And then he leaves Monday Night Football to go back to the Raiders. So he was on the he was coaching the Raiders. He got traded to the Bucks. Won the Super Bowl with the Bucks against the Raiders. Okay. And then he leaves coaching, becomes a Monday Night Football analyst for nearly a decade. And then he goes, leaves that to go back to the Raiders for like $100 million over 10 years, something like that, like a crazy amount of money. And he got fired. Well, he stepped away, whatever you want to call it, a couple months ago because all these emails came out with homophobic slander. Uh, racial slander, like a bunch of stuff. Like there was this, uh, a guy that was in the draft that was gay and he emailed the Washington football team, then Redskins owner. was like, it's so weird that they're trying to make us uh, draft a gay person. Like look really like stuff that you shouldn't be typing in an email these days. And it got leaked and he got fired. And now he's suing the NFL saying that they did it on purpose to fire him. But like you said that stuff. So what do you what do you guys think about that? I can't defend him. Like, why is he saying that stuff? I know anyway, but why are you putting it? You know, obviously it's wrong. But if you know, if you are going to say it, why are you saying it on email? Like when there's evidence against you? Yeah, it's just really bizarre, man. And the fact that he's suing them, saying like you guys just wanted me fired, so that's why you did that. It's yeah. it, it's just you a, still write a the email bullshit. Yeah, because his career is basically finished. Like he'll he'll never coach in the NFL again. And, you know, that was the love of his life, apparently. And they took it from him. But, like, dude, you made this mistake yourself. And he got paid off to leave the Raiders. So he probably got, like, a good amount of money. And now he's doing this. Like, if I I were you, man, just walk away, be quiet for a little while. And then maybe you can write, like, a blog or have a podcast, like, later on in life. And you're still going to have your fans. But fucking don't sue over this, dude. This was your (laughs) mistake. So it's just bizarre, man. Uh, All right. Well, speaking of coaches, that's one thing we're going to talk about this week. A bunch of coaching changes. We're going to look at the table, talk about if we want to revise who we think is going to win. And we're going to give our fantasy picks at the end of the show to give you guys an update on where we're at with that, who's in the lead. And uh, yeah, so how about we jump right to it? Of course, I'm with Luke and Adam. And uh, Adam, hit, hit us up with the coaching changes. Yeah, so I guess I guess where where do we start? Obviously, again, apologies we've missed the last couple of weeks, but we're we're going to get back on track with having these each week, so we don't miss the games. But um, obviously, for the international break, um, and I think this is like whether whether people are aware or not, or it's it's sort of an ongoing thing you see every season that this part of the season, this part especially with this international break and the one in October, is where it's like managerial merry-go-round. Because you sort of have two weeks, two weeks between Premier League games and the manager, the clubs like to, you know, if they're going to sack a manager, they want their new manager to come in and sort of have that week and a half to two weeks on the training ground. So I guess 
let's start with let's start with Norwich. So bottom of the league on five points. They hadn't won a single game until the weekend just gone, where they funnily enough beat Brentford. And you know, Daniel Farker, their their former manager, gave an interview after. And and sometimes you can sort of tell if there's if a manager thinks he's going to get sacked or has a, that air around the club. But he looked like he was positive going into the next, gonna, you know, we're gonna have two weeks on the training pitch, we're going to the next game. Um, and then within like a couple of hours after after the game, he gets sacked. Um so Norwich sack him and they bring in another manager who actually has just been sacked. So Dean Smith from Villa, who got sacked as well. And, and they bring Dean Smith in. So, um, you know, my thoughts on this is obviously he's a good manager. He, he brought Villa up. He had a good season. He kept them up. And then last season they played really well. Um, but sort of towards the end of, end of last season though, and then this season they haven't performed at their best, but you know, my only thoughts on Norwich appointing Dean Smith is they're definitely going to get relegated. So surely this is probably a manager that they've brought in to get them promoted next season back to the Prem. That's a good way to look at it. I was, I actually felt bad for the coach going out, man. He finally gets a win and then he gets fired right after that. So yeah, Yeah, it's probably the owners probably wanted them to lose the game. So they had a bit more. I was going to say, I think that decision's made. Way before the game. Which is, I think, how it should be. I, I don't like this idea of, you know, like, for example, you know, we'll, we'll definitely come on to Ollie at some point tonight, but just to bring it a bit forward. For example, when they were talking about Ollie's got three games to save his job, I don't like it when you sort of say, oh, if you lose this game, you're sacked, because then I think you're already in the mindset that he's not the right man. That's why I think Norwich, yeah, they've done the right thing. They've probably fought for quite a while we need to get rid of him and then wanted to wait for the right opportunity, which is when this international break comes in. So, you know, there were talks of Lampard going to Norwich. Mm. Apparently he, you know, he was the front runner runner. And then apparently it wasn't Norwich pulled out. Apparently Lampard pulled out, wasn't really sold on the idea. Yeah, um, smart. So yeah. So yeah, Dean Smith's gone in there. Um, I think he'll do, I think they'll get relegated this season. You know, I mean, what are they on there? They're on five points at the moment. Five yeah, points Newcastle from, both. Yeah. yeah, five points from safety, but I just, no matter how good a manager Dean Smith is and what he could do, I just don't think there are any teams you know, that deserve to go down that are worse than them. So, but I'm sure he'll be given money in the summer to revamp that squad. He knows the championship and in two years time, we'll probably be seeing Norwich come back up to the Prem. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame Lampard for backing out. I mean... This team just seems just they're just too bad. They don't have enough skilled players to be in the EPL right now. It's just yeah. you can tell you can tell they're just in over their heads. So, you know, I don't blame that. Now, let me ask you, was was Dean Smith fired before this uh, game, be- before the Norwich won their game? Do you guys know? No, because it was all because um, Dean Smith was fired sort of the same time. Like they they played on. So I know Norwich played on on Saturday and then I think Villa played their game uh, Villa played on the Friday oh actually it might have been it was if it was it was within a day of each other so I just gotta think I gotta think on that because Luke don't wouldn't you think that they you, both you guys thought they probably had their mind made up before this game started right yeah but yeah. wouldn't you think they want to know who the coach coming in would be before they 
think they know that decision, right? So they go ahead and hire somebody who had a job that week prior. So I, I, I just got to think, was he their priority or he became Lamp- available? So I think Lampard, they had Lampard yeah. I think okay. it's, um, I think it's situation dependent. I think if, with a club like Norwich, they have the the ability to kind of just get rid of someone and then deal with it because the outcome's the same, right? They're going to be relegated at the end of the season. So it kind of doesn't really matter if they just want to get someone out the door, they can take a bit more time to find someone mm-hmm. because they're not playing for anything at the moment. They're just playing for the sake of playing. Good point. Um, I when think, comes, um, oh, sorry. sorry. No, I was just going to say, when it comes to the bigger clubs, I think usually there's some pretty concrete conversations going on, maybe like a verbal agreement before you sack a, a manager. I think the only exception is basically anyone who has Mourinho. So Tottenham had the situation if they got rid of him, then it was finding finding a replacement manager and obviously United um, with the situation, bringing Oli in and then Oli ended up staying on. But other than that, I think most of the bigger clubs who have got a bit more to play for have someone else lined up majority of the time. Okay. Yeah, that's probably where my head was. Go ahead. I think as well, you know, although Lampard backed out, I think Dean Smith, he's gone in there. Obviously, he's not going to go in there like, oh, don't worry, we're going to get relegated, but next season I'm going to bring bring you, bring you guys up. He's he, You know, he's got to go in there saying we've still yeah. got a chance. But he knows that the owners, I mean, look, they stuck with Farker. Farker brought them up, then relegated, and then brought them back up and has now been sacked. But I think he knows that no matter what happens this season, this is sort of a a write-off, see what you can do. If you can do a miracle, nice, but, you know, get us some wins, get us playing some nice football and you'll have next season to bring us up and then you'll have another season to try and keep us up in the prim, which Norwich haven't been able to do yet. From a from a manager's perspective, that's about as good as you're going to get, right? Having like yeah. a two-thirds of a season where you can just kind of figure things out without having to worry about yeah, it's almost the one time where a manager can go in knowing that they've got a sort of long-term project ahead without yeah. any sort of pressure. I mean, don't get me wrong, probably if they lost every game and looked yeah. crap, but I don't think that would be the case. They've, for as bad as the squad is, they've got some players in there that can. That I'm yeah. sure Dean Smith will be able to bring some performances out of them. But that was Dean Smith leaving Villa, so obviously he gets sacked. And I think a lot of fans did have a bit of sympathy for him because he's a he's a he's a First of all, he is a Villa fan. I think he's that's his boyhood team. He grew up in the area. Um, that's why he sort of had that special connection with Grealish because Grealish being a boyhood Villa fan as well. Um, but I think I think you know the money they spent in the summer bringing the players in, the ambition of the the Villa owners who are quite wealthy themselves and where they want to be. So obviously Villa then on the search for a manager, and I was really surprised actually, not the fact that they went for Gerard, but I was actually surprised that Gerard left Rangers. Um, I didn't think he'd leave halfway through the season, uh, especially like about a week ago in the Europa League game, he gave an interview like saying he's happy. But I guess in terms of Gerard, it was too big an opportunity to, you know, when's he going to get another opportunity maybe to join a Premier League club and not just any Premier League club, uh, an Aston Villa side with some good players and, and uh, money to spend. Yeah. Yeah, they're not happy. They're fan, uh, Rangers fans. I nah. saw a lot of bad remarks about Gerard, and it was just like, holy shit! And these guys are pissed. The thing and is, I, I mean, I get it. 
the, the thing is, obviously, Rangers, Celtic are a, a massive, massive clubs. Like, they're, you know, two probably, if you go to any country, any person in the world that watches football and say, or even doesn't say, just name me one Scottish football team, 99% are going to say Celtic or Rangers. But the, the Scottish league, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's those two teams. And then, and I mean, Gerard, look, he won the league there. He stopped Celtic from winning their 10th title in a row. And he got, I think, number 49 for Rangers or, or something like that. Um, you know, he got them to like the quarterfinals in the Europa League. They were very unlucky mm. not to get in the Champions League group stage um, this season. I think the one disappointing thing for the Rangers fans, what they'll say is, um, this is the first season where, so before, if you won the Scottish, the Scottish um, Premier League, Scottish Championship, you'd be put into the playoffs for the for the Champions League. However, from this season, whoever finishes top and wins the league is automatically put in the group stage. So they oh. probably looked at it from that and thought, oh, Gerard, get us in the, win us another league and then get us in the Champions League group and then go on your merry way to the Premier League. But Gerard obviously probably has seen the squad, what he's working with, seen the money that will be available to him and thought, look, there are always going to be these rumours, but I think we know that at the end of the day, Gerard, his end goal is to be Liverpool manager. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think Liverpool, when when Klopp does leave, wherever it, whether it's in two and a half years' time when his contract's up, I don't think the Liverpool owners will do sort of what United done in hiring Oli off the back of managing no one, um, no disrespect to Malmo, or um, or almost what even what Chelsea done with Lampard. You know, Lampard, although he done well, he done well at Derby. So, you know, I mean, he didn't get them promoted, but he got them to the he got them to the playoff final. Um, he, again, wasn't ready. So Gerard's probably looked at it and thought, I need Premier League experience. And then when the Liverpool job comes up, I've got my credentials behind me. I've, I've won a league in, in, in Scotland. I've, you know, he's still won a league. And then also he's proven himself in the Premier League. But then I guess my question to you two would be, what does proving yourself at Villa, what, you know, what, what, what is it? What would we be sitting here maybe in two, three years and say, Gerard's done a very good job at Villa? What would that be? Tough question. I'd... Maybe a Carabao Cup win? Yeah. Luke, what were you saying? I mean, might be a bit of a stretch. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. But going for, um, I don't know, kind of sitting in top eight, top six, mate. Sorry, yeah. someone racing up the road. But I think, I think, yeah, being comfortably, comfortably top half of the table, maybe winning League Cup or something, Carabao Cup. I think that's about as good as you can really expect. Yeah. Um, but so much can change in a couple of years as well. Only might overachieve that. And yeah, it'd be really, really interesting to see. Uh, him in like Europa or something or with a with a Villa. And obviously eleventh of December Villa go to Anfield to play to play Liverpool. Yeah. Um so that'll be a, an interesting an interesting game to say the least. Um but you know it's 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 quite funny because we're starting to see a lot of um ex-footballers that I would say when I was growing up I'd watch so Vieira uh, sort of a bit as I started getting football we sort of started to come out of it but Vieira, Gerard, Lampard it's funny to start to see all these sort of former legends start to Arteta not a legend of foot but a former football player I wouldn't call him you know he wasn't the greatest but still to see these football players come into 
into management. But yeah, it would be good to see what what Gerard does. And then yeah, you never know. In a couple of years, he might be wearing be the next Liverpool manager. But I think there was actually an, an interview. There was sorry, there was an interview. Uh, I don't know if it was a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago, but it was basically something along the lines of Gerard saying if he had won won the league with Liverpool, he may not have gone into management. Almost mm. saying that he saw where he didn't win the league and was so close. It's almost like he's now got to go into management because he has to one day. It feels like it, I don't want to say it because it's probably going to jinx it, but it feels a bit, a bit of, you know, like that destiny, that sort of, you know, he couldn't get it as a player, but he's going to come back as a manager. I mean, I hope it's, so anyway, but. Would that be, would that be the absolute ultimate as a Liverpool fan? Oh, to see be... Gerard as manager and then to go on and win the league or Champions yeah, League that would with be... him in charge. Is I don't even like... think the Champions League. I think the league, I think the league, that would be just the, that would be like such a good story from, from the player, from one of our best ever players, debatably the best player, one of the best, you know, the best captain stuck through. There were times when he was sort of, was on the verge of joining Chelsea, but he stuck for us through Finn and Finn. You know, Gerard could have gone to Chelsea or Real Madrid when they wanted him and, won numerous Champions Leagues and league titles, but he stuck with Liverpool. And then and then that bit, that bit, that sort of almost like a film, that that arc when you know the character's got a heavy sort of moment of um sort of that that tragic moment of that that slip against Chelsea and losing out on the title to then come back as manager and win it. That could be that could be a good film. Yeah. Uh so this leads me to Another thing I saw on Twitter. So what do you do? When's that game? December 11th? 11th, yeah. Okay. What do you do if, you know, Moe's hacked bad, right? He's not. He doesn't get hurt, but he gets hacked bad. No card. And then Klopp runs out to the touchline screaming. And then so does Gerard. Comes out screaming. What, what do we do? Oh, you thought we back Klopp. We back Klopp. Obviously, have to, right? And I think Gerard will. I think for that one game, Gerard will put his emotions for Liverpool to the side. He he'll be able to do that, or maybe he will, you know, and then maybe Mo Salah scores and he celebrates. But no, no, he'll put his. He'll be a hundred percent Villa now. So, and until yeah. the day he leaves Villa or joins Liverpool, he's a, he's a Villa man. So we can respect him, but at the same time, if Villa want to finish second in the league and runners up in the <laughs> FA Cup and stuff, that's fine by me. We'll let them have the Carabao Cup. They can have the Carabao Cup. Yeah. But but yeah, so they were they were two managerial change abouts. We then had, I think we we've got we've got two more, haven't we? So I think we'll go on to before we talk about Conte to Spurs, because that's quite a big one. We'll we'll look at Newcastle. So obviously, Newcastle, they sacked Steve Bruce after the Tottenham game a few weeks ago, brought in their sort of caretaker manager, and who was the assistant at the time. And then it comes to this two-week break, and it was like, right. You guys, you need to you need to get a manager in. As we've said, they're they're on the same level points as 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 Norwich on five. They still haven't won a game this season, so they've drawn they've drawn five games. Um, I think the team, although some of it is pretty shit, I think they are better than that. So they sort of went on a managerial hunt. So I think they looked at Paolo Fonseca. They then went to Unai Emery, and that looked like it was going to be a deal get over the line. Then Emery sort of pulled back a bit and said, no, I'm going to stay at Villarreal. So then they've sort of gone for these sort of what I'd say wow managers, these you know big foreign names that you think they get the crowd pumped, to which then they failed. So now they've picked up Eddie Howe, 
who obviously hasn't been in management since Bournemouth. But when he was Bournemouth manager, I mean, he, he got them from, I think it was two consecutive promotions. So they won the, they won League One, got promoted to the Championship, won League, the Championship and got promoted to the Premier League. He kept them in there, for, I think, for a couple of seasons and then it sort of all fell apart. But I mean, you know, Bournemouth as a, as a football team to get them promoted to the Premier League, I mean, their stadium capacity is 15,000. So when you compare that to sort of all the other teams in the Premier League, they were sort of, you know, mixing it about with the big boys and they got some, they, they did take some some scalps as well. Um, so he's joined Newcastle and I think seeing from some Newcastle's fans' reactions on Twitter and stuff, I mean, there was one video where Newcastle just put it out about Eddie Howe's first day on the training ground and he was sort of, you know, just being a coach, going through tactics and stuff on the pitch and the Newcastle fans were like, almost like, wow, we haven't, we haven't had this in years, you know. Don't want to mug off Steve Bruce too much, but I think it showed that they were they were happy maybe to have someone that now is going to play that attacking football. Um, my only thoughts on that was when he was at Bournemouth, they were they were good going forward, but at the back they were so open, and you know maybe he's thinking we've got to go gun ho. And the, and the thing is, he's still got you know when you look at it until the January transfer window, when maybe they can spend a bit of money, they've still got about six seven games to play. So. You know, they could buy them. They could be well hung out to dry, getting ready to get relegated. But yeah, I don't know what. What's your thoughts on on how to Newcastle, Luke? I think it's about as good as they're going to get right now. Because like, I think it's a similar thing from what we saw with Norwich. I think it will take an, a lot for teams ahead of them to kind of drop down to the same and for Newcastle to have a chance at not being relegated. So I think right now it's just about um, damage control. Um, I don't know if Newcastle want that. So I think with, with, with Norwich, I think they expect, they won't say it, but they expect to get relegated and then go again next season. But I think these Newcastle owners, I think they're, they've said to Eddie Howe, no, you've got to stay up. They can't afford, you know, when you look at the, the two different projects at Norwich and Norwich and Newcastle, I guess Norwich are more, we want to become eventually try and become a stable Premier League side that can stay up for a few seasons, et cetera. Whereas Newcastle are like, no, we need to hit the ground running. You know, they're, they're probably yeah. thinking next season they want to finish top half. It's probably yeah. where their, their heads are. But you can do that when you have an entire summer because you can, yeah. you can spend an entire summer working on new tactics, new formations, bringing in like, better better people behind the scenes but when you're trying to do that midway for a season it's well and good for owners to be like yeah we want to comfortably stay up but that shit takes time and if you're you know it's it's difficult midway for a season to get all the people you want in um i think if he can get an okay run until january then january they spend a little bit of money on positions that they really need to improve then I think they'll be okay. But like I think the next, well, December for them is going to be vital for sure. Um, yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. You got to get yeah. through this. You got to get through this before you can I mean, think ahead. I mean, looking at their, sorry, just quickly to go on to their fixtures. I mean, when you do look at it, they've got, they've got Brentford, Arsenal, Norwich, Burnley, Leicester, Liverpool, City, United, Everton. Until the uh, 
until the transfer transfer window opens. So what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They've got nine games. You'd you'd probably say they need to win maybe at least three of them. I'd say three. I mean, they'll beat United, but so they need two more. Um, if you, but, do, I mean, I they're going if up. They, if they do that and get into January, pick up some good people. I mean, look, they're never going to go in for players that are like world class, are they? Right now, but if they can just bring in a few people that. Even a Van der Beek could happen. And I think yeah. that might be the difference between them staying up, but he needs to get to January with, I'd agree, Adam, at least probably at least, probably at least three wins in order to have a chance to, of bringing people in because people go look at it as well, that if, the, if it's almost certain that you're going to get relegated, they're not going to want to know. Um, so I think if they can just bring a fight and then in January they can turn around and say to whoever they look at purchasing and say to them, look, we have a real opportunity to stay up and then we'll go from next year. And then we start building upon things, but it is a hundred percent about the run into January. Yeah. That's, that's vital. That's vital. So I guess that's why they went, went ahead and got their new coach now, you know, because they know that and they're up five points. They draw away too many times. So does Liverpool. There was a couple of games really. They should, they should have won. And I think the difference between Norwich and Newcastle as well is I think Dean Smith goes into, into Norwich with no superstar. They've got Timo Puki, who's like their talisman, but they have no real superstars. It's not like when Brendier was there, you could look at him and be like, yeah, that's the standout player. Yeah. Um, whereas I think when he does go into Newcastle, St. Maximin and, and Callum Wilson, you know, going forward, that is an it. You know, they, they could get into, you know, St. Maximin could possibly push for a, a you know, a European team, a, a top six team. I'd take him at Liverpool probably as a backup to, to Mane, but he's of that ilk where, and, and then Callum Wilson again could get into quite a few Premier League sides up, up front, probably within the sort of, you know, bottom half towards yeah, mid table. It's so not he's the got, worst situation. Like they have some scorers on this team. They yeah, just got to so get it together. Got, um, I think so it's, yeah, it's more just fixing the, the defense in the spine. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Newcastle go. I mean, at, at the end of the day, they know it's going to be a, a, a long-term project, but I'm sure they'll get there eventually. And then I guess I think, the... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, just breaking off on that point, I think once they get the foundations down, I think it'll be a quite exciting time to be a Newcastle fan. But they've got yeah. to sort out, like, the next the next year or so is, a, is going to be really interesting to see if they can bring in the right the right people. I guess the big thing now is also they'll have, whereas before, you know, that 50,000 seat stadium, St. James's Park, and for the last couple of seasons, it's just been full of negativity and mm-hmm. and sort of them wanting rid of Steve Bruce and Mike Ashley. They've got rid of Steve Bruce. They've got rid of Mike Ashley. So that stadium now is going to be fully behind the manager, the owners and the team. So, you know, that will have a big factor when teams are going there to try and get a result. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this this next couple slate of games, what you just talked about, that's now that I think about it even more, this is vital for them, man, because they just got all this money coming in. And like you said, they just p- please the fans. So you really got no excuses now. So you got to figure out a way to win some games to get your ass out of that bottom tier or they're in trouble because, I mean, in the first year, you're not going to get any stars if you're relegated. You're not going to get any. You get a couple decent players, but you got to stay up. That's the most important thing for them. They got to stay up. So this is the 
This is the time. Let's see how many they win. You said you need three? I think, bro, I think at least three. three is I think realistic. I mean, overall in a season, I think it's like that magic 40-point mark where they say you get 40 points, then you're, you know, you're, you're, set, you're, you're automatically saved. So if they were to get nine more points, 14, so then they need to get another 26 points from, from you know, sort of 19 games. So okay. it's not, not terrible. But um, and then on to sort of the last managerial merry-go-round to the actually one one shout out I want to say to one of my favourite managers ever in in um, in football he he got sacked sadly uh, Neil Warnock so he he's manager of Middlesbrough uh, in the Championship having had a decent season last season and then was looking good this season but for whatever reason I think to do to them sign not being able to sign players hasn't worked out so he got he got sacked but he actually. Um, he actually found out he got sacked um, just before he took charge of their game on Saturday. So he got told by the owners, he got told by the owners, um, yeah, go manage this game today. And then straight after the game, you're leaving. Um, which in one point he said, he said was kind of nice in a way that he got to say goodbye to the fans at the end of the game. But as well, it was a bit, you know, and, and obviously Chris, Chris Wilder's gone gone in there, who used to manage Sheffield United. And then, yeah, Neil Warnock, I think now he is, I think he's officially got the record for the most games managed in English football. So, you know, he's managed a few Premier League teams and stuff, and he's one of my personal favourites. So for those of you who don't know about Neil Warnock, just just go and have a look on YouTube because actually there's, there's a couple of clips of, um, I think this was 20 odd years ago, it, the first actually sort of fly on the wall documentary around a football club. Um, I can't remember what team it was he managed. It might have been one of the Sheffield teams. And, you know, they have, they have videos of in the changing room of him giving team talks and stuff. And it's, it's just brilliant to watch. Proper old school manager. You guys watched the Sunderland one? Yeah, I've watched the Sunderland one. Yeah, uh, yeah. very well made. Very well made. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite, uh, you know, they won't be happy because obviously their biggest rivals, Newcastle, have got all this money now and, and they're just yeah. stuck in League One. But they're another massive club that, wouldn't surprise me if one day another a, a rich owner goes in in there because that's another untapped potential. Dude, that stadium that, is gorgeous that they built for them. It's yeah. gorgeous, huge. You ever been but, there? Uh, you both, you guys? No, no never no. been. Never been that far north. Oh, okay, but, um, right, but yeah, on to on to the last sort of big managerial change about, and I guess Luke's slightly disappointed in this one, but obviously we had the the sort of sack managerial sack derby the game Nuno versus Oli who was going to win that one Oli won the one won that one in 90 minutes but I guess Spurs fans will feel like the real winners at the end of the day because after that game they they got rid of Nuno and they've they've brought in Premier League Serie A um, I think FA Cup as well winner you know he calls himself a serial winner he, he pretty much goes everywhere and wins as a player as well um, Conte so, you know, this a big statement from, from Tottenham, actually, because after a sort of a summer of, you know, they spent like almost 10, 12 weeks without a manager trying to go for X, Y and Z and getting rejected. Um, Daniel Levy must have gone calling back to Conte saying, have all the money you want, you know, we want you. And then he's accepted. So a big, you know, the Premier League now has got, you know, apart from probably you'd say Ancelotti at Madrid, Hansi Flick at um, a Bayern Munich, Allegri at Juventus, and and Zidane's obviously not in management. So apart from those four, 
I would say, um, and then maybe a couple of the international men. Oh, sorry, Hansi Flick's not a, obviously he's a German manager now, but Nagelsmann as well at Bayern Munich. You'd probably say the Premier League has literally got the best managers in the world now. Klopp, Guardiola, Tuchel, um, and now Conte. And it's not Oli, but <laughs> maybe Oli one day. Um, but no, they've got four of the best managers in the world and Spurs have got themselves... If Conte can't win anything at Spurs, then no one will win anything at Spurs. And it will say more about the club than the manager because he is a winner. But yeah, Luke, how do you feel? It really stings. Because um, he wanted yeah. United as well. He, he, I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was waiting he for He actively phone. was waiting for United. He, he would have said oh. no to Spurs if United had come calling, probably this even at the what, last minute. But this is what confuses me because Spurs should not have higher ambitions than United right now. You know, United have went into the summer, they made big statements of getting Ronaldo, getting Varane, getting Sancho. They're in a situation now where they're not performing where they should be. And, you know, Tottenham, you could argue, haven't made the same impact. They haven't gone out and spent however much on on buying some of the best players in the world. So I can't understand for the life of me why Tottenham pulled the trigger first and got, like you said, a serial winner before United. If that makes sense, that's what confuses me. Um, Yeah, it's it's baffling because it should be United as soon as after, well, for me, definitely after the Liverpool game. that should have been the end of things. And we should have just gone for Conte, gone for Zidane, whoever we want, whoever really, just anyone that's won something, um, just to show that there's still intention there to be a title-challenging side. And I know what you're going to say, they're not a title-challenging title side right now. And I agree. But... No, but the squad is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally, the squad I, is, if... You know, I know we talk about how they're missing the sort of number six holding midfielder, but I think, you know, if you were to put someone like Klopp in, in that team. Well, I, would... saw some, I saw something the other day, and I don't know how true this is, but I talked to you about it previously, Adam. Was um, Ollie's going to start playing Sancho as a right wing back? What? I don't know how true it is. It could very much not be true, but I saw a, an article on it because um, Ollie's going to pretty much move to a... Um, I think it's a three three five two. He's going to move to with, uh, yeah, with Sancho potentially being a right wing back because Wambasaka is not very attacking. And if that's the case, it's scary how he's still in charge. Like that's terrifying. If you're going to bring in someone who has so much playmaking ability, and then be like, oh no, you can you can come up, but we want you to defend the majority of the time. It just it baffles me. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, there's there's still talk about Zidane coming in or at the end of the season or whatever it might be, but it might not even be in the top four by then because I know exactly. I think, you know, if we, if we have a look at the table now, you've got current yeah, top four: Chelsea, six. City, West Ham, West Ham, Liverpool. So when we come on to our predictions, I'm sure we'll mention West Ham. But I think they won't be there till the end of the season. They won't have the legs for it. Uh, you've got Liverpool. So I still think Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool will be top yep, three. I agree. And then, and then sort of going for fourth. You have Arsenal there at the moment, but still they've put a few good games together, but I still, you know, uh, don't see them having the legs. Turn your nose up. 
you turn your nose up again no European fo- football no. could be it could be but I still think the squad isn't top four ready anyway but yeah. my my thing is saying you look at you look at United on 17 points and then you look at Tottenham one point behind on 16 and you think well Conte's coming there this one point I mean. behind if he gets that team clicking I still think they're not a very good squad overall but the way he's playing now in in that sort of sort of three five two with with Kane and Son up top, that has got all the makings of being a very deadly team and, and a dangerous team to play against. And yeah, you know, I think United when again when you look at their fixtures between between now and Christmas, they they need they need to go to Stamford Bridge still. They've got to play Arsenal. Yeah, um, and then. And then you know they've got the likes of Brentford, Newcastle, Burnley, Villa, Wolves. So they've to be fair, apart from those two games, I mean actually no, they've got Palace as well. I'll throw them in there as a dangerous team that could beat them. But apart from that, you know you look Norwich, Brentford, Newcastle, Burnley, you know Wolves, Villa. If they don't come outside the other end of, of the Christmas New Year period comfortably in that top four position then so it's worrying that's that's a question actually what do you think it would take for ollie to be sacked now based on i, I don't think they will because no if you'd asked me a month ago what would it take for ollie to be sacked you'd say losing embarrassingly to to liverpool scraping past atalanta in two both games um and then losing they only lost 2-0 to city but city wiped the floor with them well, just to, just to kind of go back for a sec about what you're saying about um, Atalanta. I don't even I don't even think it was a case of, you know, it just kind of getting by. It was just down to one player. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that'll be so. So obviously, like, we've had talks about in a couple of weeks talking about sort of different theories, and one of them being about does Ronaldo make a, the teams he's joined at the moment Juventus and then United worse? But I think that would be. In his defence, to say you, actually, he, yeah, you know, United you took, without him. If you took Ronaldo out of that team, where are United right now? Well, you'd probably well they they don't beat Atalanta either side. Mm-hmm. I don't think they beat West Ham. No. Um, and then wasn't there another game where he got a? Who was he got the last first, minute goal? Who was the game they played with United's first? Um, Newcastle, wasn't it? Where they yeah, beat yeah. them, but again, that was yeah. Ronaldo twice again. So. Yep. You know, you, you put Cavani or, or Martial in there, sure, maybe they get those goals. But I think Ronaldo has, has helped has helped Ole quite a lot. But well, you can see he's getting impatient. Oh, Ronaldo is, yeah, because Ronaldo, you know, he knows he hasn't got, although he'll probably tell you that he can go for another 10 years realistically, he's only got a couple more years left. Yeah. You know, so he wants to be in the top four. He wants to be winning stuff. And at the moment, he's probably looking at Ole. Thinking this, this, this ain't it. This isn't, you know, you're not going to win us anything. See, the thing is, the thing is, with um, waiting until the end of the season, there's a few things off the bat which I am, um, which is quite scary. Which is Pogba definitely goes in like something's going to happen in January with Pogba pretty much anyway. Um, Ronaldo could generally, genuinely look at leaving. Um, Still no number six. Varane could potentially, you know, again, he, he might want uh, something challenging. No, I don't uh, think... Unlikely. I, 
Unlikely. I think the players you only look at losing a a Pogba because he'll be on a free, and then and then possibly Ronaldo put you know um, throwing his toys out the pram. But, but but if you get Zidane in now, could be enough to keep Pogba. That saves you having to look for another playmaking centre mid in in the summer. Ronaldo stays, and you're generally going to see better football from a manager that knows how to win things. I don't even think it's just better football. It's just smarter football. It's just tactical football that knows how to. Because Zidane, all, it's just all an identity. Time. You know that that second stint at Madrid, Zidane you know, didn't exactly even play the best looking type of football, but he 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 had he looked at you know the team he had and he made them solid and he you know that's what he made them. I think in his last season before he left, they um, they win the league or they missed out on the league. I, I think they missed out on the league before they sat before he left, but the season before they won the league, or I'm probably completely wrong. But basically he made that team that wasn't was an aging Real Madrid team. He made them solid and, and grind out games. Without Ronaldo as well. He won he won he did win the league without Ronaldo. Yeah. Um so yeah, you look at that. But but back onto Tottenham, I guess that is a that's a big coup for them. One of the best managers in the world, one of the probably was the hottest sort of free agent manager. Um, and he's going to go there and those Spurs players don't know what they're in for because he doesn't suffer fools. He will, you know, he's probably looked at Deli Ali already, sort of like Mourinho did. Mourinho gave him a chance. I don't think Conte will give him a chance. He'll look at him and be like, right, you're not going to work hard. You're not going to train properly. Then get out. Um, he won't. I mean, I know we've had the international break and Kane's got into a bit of form, albeit against Albania and San Marino, but He'll look at Kane and again, he'll be a manager. He's a manager that will not be afraid to drop Kane. If Kane performs how he has for Spurs so far, he will drop Kane because this is a manager that is just about winning. You know, he's he's got what Oli hasn't got, and I'd say that's that's balls. That's big balls. I was thinking about Tottenham the other day, and I may have I may have asked you guys this a while back. I can't remember if I did or not. So when does this Harry Kane Sonny era? When does that come to an end? You think we're closing closing in on it at Tottenham? No, because I don't. I don't think Harry Kane's going to leave Tottenham now. I think actually, I, agree. I think now that they've got Conte as well, that's sort of shown some ambition from Spurs. That I think he will. And also, I don't think you're going to get. You know, the only club in the Premier League you'd say he'd go to now would again be Man City, and I don't think they're going to give them. They're going to put up the money because they've lost the season. You know, they were probably happy to pay the 125 million because they were going to get him this season. Where he's going to yeah. be another year older. There's other get someone else. There'll be other player players out there that they can go for. So it's so more, it's more about if Son leaves, but I don't think Son will leave. He's just signed a new contract and he's happy at the club. Yeah. So probably so a few. This turns around everything then for them. You think? Yeah, I I to don't know if it, to a degree because this is still you know we thought Mourinho would. Turn stuff around having him him in Conte is probably what you'd say is a Mourinho from five six years ago ten years ago when he's this manager in his prime um like I said if he can't do it then I don't know who would be able to go into Spurs and, and you know maybe Klopp or Guardiola but they're not available and won't be but yeah if Conte can't turn Spurs around at least win something or make them challenge but there's still a lot of dead wood at that club there's still you know, Dyer, Tandanga, um, 
Ben Davis, Hoiberg, I don't think is that great. There's still players there that are not that great that he'll have to get an extra few percent out of them until we can bring in um, bring in replacements. But for him to go to that club, Daniel Levy has, has promised him, must have promised him a war chest of a transfer budget because that's what Conte likes to do. He, he spends money or he goes. But it's a, it's a win-win for Conte anyway because if Conte wins something at Spurs, he's you know he brings Tottenham that silverware they haven't had for over a decade. If he doesn't and it fails and he leaves slash gets sacked, his stock doesn't get any lower because all the other clubs around the world, you know, I'm sure United would look at Conte and think, oh yeah, he fouled at Spurs, but no one succeeded at Spurs. No one succeeded. It's not his fault. So it's a it's a win-win. Either way, Conte comes out the real winner. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the man you side though. So Luke. You were upset when this was announced because this was your guy you wanted to replace Ali, right? To be fair, I would have took anyone, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Conte Conte Zidane were like the ideal scenarios, right? Um, okay. I'd still I think now I'd like Zidane, but if someone gave me the choice between the two, I would have preferred Conte. Interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah, it kind of kind of hurts, um, but I think it just says a lot about the difference in men- mentality between the clubs. You know, you've got Spurs that want to try and achieve something this season, and you've got United who are quite happy to coast and just hope to get top four. So it's what it is, I guess. It's it's frustrating, but it it just shows where United are at as a club and how they're run. Yeah, I mean. I don't want to, I mean, all right. So at the table, Man U's in sixth place. So you think the best case scenario is top four? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. We're not competing with uh, with uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. And I, I'd be happy with top four, to be honest, with how the last few weeks have been. I think top four is, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be happy with that. To be honest. So you really, I mean, as far as the table is right now, I mean, you got Arsenal in fifth, Liverpool fourth, West Ham third, City second, Chelsea first. So mm-hmm. Adam thinks West Ham's going to fall off. Do you agree with that? Oh, well, I think they'll fall off a little bit. I, th- I don't think they'll fall off far. I think it'll fall, West Ham prom- probably fall off to sixth or seventh, I think. I think Arsenal probably has the, the, the ability to fall off further. Um, okay. But, but yeah, I'd, I'd take finishing above both of those, to be honest. The way it looks is going to be three teams fighting for the fourth spot. If I can look into yeah. the future, it looks like with 10 games left, it's going to be West Ham versus Arsenal versus Man U to get that one last spot. And Tottenham. And Tottenham. And the Tottenham 16 points. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I think you have to throw, yeah. throw Tottenham yeah. in there. I think I think 10 games to go, that that will probably be the the top four race, you know, unless you know um Liverpool, you know, they've they've obviously lost and drawn their last two games, but I think they'll they'll they won't do that much much more. You know, that's you know, they lost their first game in like over 25 games. So I think they'll be fine. So I think it will be those four teams fighting for the top four. And then I think it will then further down. I think it will then come down to to Spurs and 
United because um, I just think this Christmas period for I might be wrong see in two months time but I think this Christmas period for West Ham is if we are going to see them fall off we'll be we'll be then and then with Arsenal they're playing some good football defensively solid Aubameyang's get, getting amongst the goals um, but I just then question I mean I know they haven't got Europe so they'll be able to play um, you know sort of once a week but you know I still think that I don't know if they're if they're there yet, if they're that great. I mean, they've got on Saturday, they're going to play Liverpool, they're going to Anfield. So let's see what they do. That'll be a that'll be a, either a oh shit, Arsenal looking good, or a okay, let's bring them back down to, to earth. Let's show you where you're at and show you where, you know, where the, this is Arsenal, and then here's the the top tier of of the Premier League, and let's see where you're at. Yeah, we need a bounce back game. I mean, I had a weird feeling yeah. going into that West Ham game that we were going to lose. I really had a weird feeling, I guess, because I'm high on West Ham this year. And, yeah. you know, sure enough, we get beat. And it sucks for Trent because that was a beautiful free kick he took. And I don't think and, we played uh, that bad, to be honest. I don't think yeah. we necessarily... First goal was rough. That First was rough. goal was rough. I don't think it was a foul, though, to be fair. I think that no. was a... Yeah, it was just one of those weird plays. Off. Yeah. Should Cresswell have been sent off? Probably not in the... Not so much that the challenge was a red card challenge overall, but more consistency. Those challenges are given as red cards. But at the end of the day, we, we missed a lot of chances. Marnie missed a chance to equalise it. And we were just so open at the back at times. We we almost went too gun ho we, we made it, what is it? We made it one all. We made it two all, um, or whatever the score was. Um, and and then after that, we just we just were wanted to, it's like we had five minutes left and needed to get a goal. Um, and then West Ham just broke on us so many times. I mean, watching Antonio, he's, he's great to watch because he's so unorthodox. And, and at times you watch him and think, how are you, you know, almost playing up front for West Ham? I mean, there was one point where he fell over the ball, but in that sort of mess of how they attack, that dogged, they're sort of dogged and, and you don't really know what they're going to do that makes it so brilliant. So yeah, West Ham, I think they'll fall, fall off slightly, Luke said, to six, seven, but you never know. We've been we've been wrong before. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they keep this going, or if not, and you know maybe one of the other teams falls off. But I mean, as far as the most likely one to fall off is probably West Ham. I would have to agree. But uh, all right, you got any more? Is that about wrap it up for that? Yeah, those are all our, our managerial changeabouts. Um, I guess the only other ones to sort of watch out for. Uh, sort of in Rafa uh, at Everton because, you know, they haven't been playing great and they've their last five games they've drawn two, lost three. Um, Brentford, funnily enough, I don't think he'll get sacked because he's a good manager, but, you know, we were all sort of high on them. I was, you know, especially enjoying watching them and their last four games they've lost. Um, so, yeah, so you've got them and then obviously Leeds haven't got off to the best start. And they've picked up a couple of points here and there in the last five games. But again, another one, I don't think Bielsa would get sacked. But apart from that, the Premier League looks pretty solid for all, all their managers. I can't really see another club, you know, it'd be a shock if any other club um, were to sack their manager. Yeah. <clears throat> now, all right. So, all right. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I was going to do a table talk, but we kind of just covered that. But I. I so I know you can't always rely on stats because sometimes 
stats are very misleading. Like if you look at certain stats in the NFL, you might think that the Eagles have a good offense, but we, but we don't. But the fact that we're down so much by, you know, multiple touchdowns late in games, it makes our fourth quarter offense look really good. And that would be a good sign for a team that wants to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, good in the fourth quarter. I'll take that all day. But for us, it's not really the case. So you can't always rely on stats. But I, I was looking at the goal differentials. And it's bizarre, man. It's really bizarre. There's only six teams with positive. And it's probably not the way you think it would be. Crystal Palace with one more goal than they have goals allowed. Man U with two more goals than they have goals allowed. And then you have Arsenal and Brighton. They're both uh, even. But then the top four teams are Liverpool's plus 20, West Ham's plus 10, City's plus 16, Chelsea's plus 23, and then everybody else is negative. It's just bizarre. Like, you can't really make this stuff up. I mean, look look at Arsenal, right? They were really bad when the when the league first started. What did they win? Two or, they lost two or three in a row. They, they lost three in a row. Three in a row. And now they're on a tear since then. Six wins, two losses. Or two draws. So it's just and then but they're at a, they're at zero goals. Uh, they're at zero disadvantage or advantage there. They're completely even. So it's just really bizarre. You got to really ride the hot waves when you have them, don't you? Because you yeah. never know. You really never know when it's not your day. You could just get lit the fuck up. I mean, look at poor I Norwich, think man. Oh, I mean, I, I, feel bad. I think as well. It's interesting to see. I mean, apart from apart from Norwich, but as we've said, they're, they're just crap. And then Tottenham, which, you know, under Nuno was sort of playing this defensive, no attack sort of football. Apart from those two teams, every other team in the Premier League, you know, has scored 10 plus goals um, so far this season, sort of in 11 games, uh, which, you know, wouldn't surprise you, I guess, from the sort of the top half of the table. But especially that bottom half, it just shows how, I guess, what we used to see, you don't have, apart from maybe you'd say, actually, not even Burnley, because Burnley have, you know they play, they play some good football though they're probably the roughest team in the in the Premier League. What you used to see is that a lot of the bottom half teams were were built to be tough to play against to break down and you know you, it'd be really tough to you know you would to go and you know beat them and they try and get a goal and nick a draw or nick a win. Um, however, what you see now with you know teams like Leeds that come up and and Brentford that come up and you know Southampton how they're playing and then and then Leicester and now Palace with Vieira and you know what Villa want to do with with Gerrard and and, and Wolves as Wolves as well and I'm basically naming every Premier League Premier League team but and Brighton but these sort of teams that have that have come up in recent years you know maybe in the last decade however long ago since one of them come up uh, last come up. Um, they play it good attacking football, high energy pressing football, which is quite interesting to see because it's quite a differential from years gone, years gone by, where it was very much, you know, teams in the bottom half had to rely on being defensively solid. Yeah. Whereas now teams just, you know, they want to attack. And that's why you start to see, you know, I mean, like West Ham are a good team, but Liverpool lose to West Ham, City lost to, to Southampton. Um, I can't remember, Chelsea lost. Um, Chelsea lose some or that, or they got a draw um, against. I can't remember what team. Um, I think it was Burnley, maybe uh, the team that they played last. Um, and it's because these teams now attack and they they go for it and they put the other teams under pressure, which is quite interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you you play a lot differently when when you're getting 
blasted at. And then when you have to go for it, you know, like Italy today for the for the qualifying games, they the last five to ten minutes, they were going for it, trying to get a goal and they just couldn't get a goal. So you really change up the way you're playing when you're going for it rather than sitting. So if that's a team mentality, just to to get a draw and get a point and get out of there, that's probably pretty hard to play against, especially if you're trying to play offensively. So, yeah. All right. How about we do our fantasy picks and then we'll be back at it next week. Uh, we won't miss next week. We promise. So um, I believe I'm up first. Yeah. Yeah, you're up first. So you want to give a quick rundown of what we'll have a points uh, update for next next week. But so I guess say who I have. Down, say to who you have. So, so far, you have got uh, Sadio Mane, Lukaku, Bamford, Son, Aubameyang, Mo, uh, Mope, Townsend, De Bruyne, and Callum Wilson, and then Huang Hee-chan. Mm-hmm. And then and then Luke has Bruno Fernandez, Firmino, Kane, Tony, Damari Gray, Antonio, St. Maximin, Saka, Gallagher, and Foden. And then I have Mo Salah, Vardy, Ings, Ronaldo, Jimenez, Emilicio Sar, Edward, Puki, Smith Rowe, and, and Broja. So both you guys are hoping international play correlates to league play because Saar had two goals for Senegal the other day, and Harry Kane has seven goals, Luke, in the last two games. So let's hope he comes back in the league and starts scoring because he was your third pick. Yeah, and he went a couple games without picking or without scoring. Yeah. And Bamford, man, he's killing me. And Lukaku, too. He's not doing as, as well as I thought he would do. Lukaku's been injured, but I think he's, he's just about yeah. to come back. But yeah, go on, Dan. You're, you're up first. Uh, Ineacho. I'll get my Leicester pick out of the way. Nice. Luke? Uh, I haven't picked Chelsea yet, have I? No, you so, haven't got Chelsea. Nope. I'm going to go for a weird one. It could really pay off. It could also not. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Kai Havertz. That's, ooh. That's sort of, I think he's scored in the last few games, especially with Lukaku yeah. out. Champions League um, winner, right? Yeah, yeah. one one in the Champions League. I'm going to go for... Um, who have I got? So Salah, Vardy, Ings, Ronaldo, Jimenez, Saar, Eduard, Puki, Smith-Rowe, Broja. Um, you know what? I'll get my City player out of the way. And I'm going to go for Ferran Torres. Spain's uh, next goal scorer, they hope. Yeah, when I'm watching, when I watch Spain, man, they're so fun to watch, but sometimes they just cannot score. They just can't score yeah. sometimes. They've got but, good uh, players coming up, though. Yeah. Yeah. And he's one of them, and he's definitely a goal scorer. So, okay. That'll about wrap up this week. We will see you guys next week for week 13, or actually a week 12 breakdown. And then I guess we'll give a couple predictions for week 13 as well. And uh, yeah, everyone have a great week. Yeah. Talk to you next time. See you later. Bye. Oh, thank you.